What is more likely to happen? England winning the World Cup or Matt Hancock winning I'm a Celebrity? Get me out of here. Um, Jesus. That's not how you thought this podcast was going to start, was it? No, um, definitely not. I'd say England winning the World Cup for the sake of humanity and all of the country. I think we'd want England winning the World Cup rather than Matt Hancock winning I'm a Celeb. It's weird, I thought, even with that, you would still say, no, there's no chance for England. Because that's how much you hate this isn't. Is it a hatred of England team or hatred of Gareth Southgate? It can be both, in a way. Yes, I think it is both. Uh, Anyway, we'll get on to England. Yes, true. We'll get on to England later, because as of the time of recording, we're still waiting for the squad announcement to come out. And if we're talking to Armislip for a second... As a football podcast, we have to be supporting Jill Scott, for God's sake. As a supporter of women's football, we have to be supporting Jill Scott. She's queen in waiting. Exactly. But we can... A, to be fair, it's, it, she's used to being around detestable people. She did have Phil Neville and Mark Sampson as England managers once upon a time. Uh, I pray for her soul. She did not deserve that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But as I think, as we said, look, two-part podcast, pretty much this one is going to be, we'll talk normal club football first, and then once this England squad is revealed, we'll get into that towards the end. Definitely so. And it's been a busy week since uh, we spoke on Monday. I mean, pretty much within uh, a few moments of us finishing the podcast, uh, the Athletic reported. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Athletic were reporting that uh, FSG has put up uh, Liverpool for sale. Now, the article didn't really explain much in terms of like they're 100% guaranteed going to be sold, but it seemed to be saying that they have put like uh, the big investment bankers in charge of any potential sale should anything happen. And there's been no talk or rumours from what I've seen of any potential uh, potential uh, owners, even. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'd see all, I'd, I'd seen. David Ordstein's tweet regarding it, but then it's once you start scrolling down and going through the thread, you see the FSG statement, as it was, which completely squashed everything that David Ornstein was supposedly saying, saying, no, no, we're not selling. We're just looking for a bit of extra investment because we can't be fucking asked to give the money ourselves. Yeah. So it was one of them where it did seem like they'd happily take people coming on board with them and selling like a, I'd say a stake in their share yeah. uh, so they'd own a percentage and then possibly down the future line they'd get full investment a bit like what the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers are currently doing with Leeds they own a big portion of it and then uh, over the next couple of years I believe from what I've read this morning that they are trying to uh, do a full purchase of the club in the next couple of years so it wouldn't surprise me if FSG uh try and go down that route of getting someone on board to work with them who mainly put money into the team to help Jurgen Klopp, whether it be for spending or whatever, and then in the long term fully take over the club. Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions with this. It did just come out of nowhere, even if it is something that Liverpool fans maybe would have wanted, like a certain section would have wanted it after the Super League stuff that happened. Yeah. And as you said, the I don't even want to say lack of investment because they have invested, as we've seen, they've just not invested in the right areas or enough of the right area. They needed more 
than what they actually have. Yeah, because I mean, who else did they sign up this summer apart from Darwin Nunez? Uh, oh God, I, do you know what? I can't recall off the top of my head. I don't know whether they did sign him. Um, well, we know who it was. He's just not playing. It was um, Arta, wasn't it? On loan. Was that the only one? Yeah, Arta Mello was the only other deal I can think of. Now you say, it, but... what a waste. <laughs> That's proven to me. And Klopp, mm. Klopp Jurgen Klopp, whenever he speaks about Arta Mello, just he's begging to say but I didn't really want him why did we sign him I mean, he's never going to play for me yeah I mean he's featured once or twice I believe for the under 23s trying to get back to full man fitness man thought he was probably to be partnering Fabinho and yet he's partnering Jay Spearing Jesus Christ poor absolute poor for the man um, but yeah it's not worked out for him and I th- it will be interesting to see what happens with Liverpool, I don't think it's going to be something we hear about over the next couple of months. It may be a year, two years down the line where we have something concrete on their future, whether it be a bit part selling their team or uh, full ownership changes over. Because FSG have been in charge, what, 12 years now, 2010? They took over from... It's been that long. It feels like it's... Does it... It's weird. It feels like it's not been that long. I, I want to like say it was shorter than that, but I don't know. Can't say I know. The only it wouldn't thing be I, too much shorter. Yeah, I don't know, but the only thing I want to know is for you, is this a good thing for them? Really, them going? I think if we look at the investment side, I think it's it's needed for Liverpool. And I've seen a few reactions from Liverpool fans for a while now that wanted FSG out, not just purely on the basis of the Super League. I think... It's one of them where, they're, again, they're American owners and I believe they've got other franchises, uh, sports franchises in America. And I feel like they're taking more precedence and like they've appointed like a CEO or type person and Jurgen Klopp, they just deal with Liverpool's side of things. So it's one of them where you look at it and you're like, they're not actually that invested in the club, even if they are putting investment into the club. So it's one of them where I think true diehard Liverpool fans will want like someone who cares about the club or puts uh, money in and gives their full dedication to Liverpool to get them as that team of uh, the biggest team in England, potentially. Yeah, uh, I guess the other thing that comes with that as well is does any new owner stick with Jurgen Klopp? It does his position get called into question? It's one of them where you kind of look... So if if something was to happen between now and the end of the season, I think Klopp stays. But if it was to... And then I'd say a, man, a new manager would probably come in uh, for the start of next season. But it's, I think if anything, it's, later, it's more of a question of do they want their own man? Are they? Mm. Do they trust someone like Jurgen Klopp, who's a very outspoken guy, to come straight in and be like, you're not doing the same things the last guys did. The last owners gave me this and I was had this much freedom. Are these owners going to have that same philosophy? I looked at Chelsea with this, in a way. Yeah. But Todd Bowley didn't seem a fan of Tuchel. So what did no. he do? First chance he had, he got rid and brought in someone that he wanted and could implement what is his vision for that football club. Yeah, 100%. 
and it wouldn't surprise me if that was to happen again we're just talking in theory here we don't know if Liverpool are going to change owners or anything but we're just going on going on the basis of if they do change ownership then for me I think it could happen and I've been saying this now for a few weeks I st- something in me just feels like this is Klopp's last season at Liverpool and that's it I don't think we're there yet it feels like the we're slowly on the downward path a bit mm. I almost said spiral that would have been massively harsh Yes, it feels like it's in the last years. Although I think so many would have said that about Sir Alex Ferguson after his mm. first few years of success, and then yeah. he obviously bounced back. Who knows what happens after that? Definitely so. But it feels like with Liverpool, we are de- definitely coming to the peak of the mountain. If not, we've gone over the peak and are on our way back down slowly. But it's, uh, it's still, yeah. They need like squad depth because they're getting left behind compared to other clubs that they should be around. Yeah. And, I mean, even midweek, uh, we'll get on to Carabao, fix- Carabao Cup fixtures in a minute or two. But, again, they just about got through uh, to the next round of that as well. So, you should be thinking that Liverpool team, they should have the depth to easily get past uh, Derby County and progress easier into the next round, but it just doesn't seem to be that way. You'd hope so, but the way the Carabao Cup is being this year, it's almost not as surprising because it's gone weird. Dare I say, actually entertaining for a change? Yeah, I can understand that from like a Aston Villa fan point, but I'll get onto that in a second from the big clubs and what I think it uh, will do. But on the whole... Whether Liverpool change ownerships now or in the next year, it's definitely one we'll keep an eye out on. And I think it will definitely provide more talking points in the future to come. Yes, but to the Carabao Cup now, I think we can say so. The big teams, they're all dropping out like flies. Yeah. Arsenal, out. Tottenham, out. Chelsea, Chelsea out. out. West yeah. Ham, out. Mm-hmm. Soon to be Manchester United, out. <laughs> Everton as well. That's not a big club anymore. Yeah. Can't be being, being 4-1 by Bournemouth, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, true. I mean, that was a sackable offence by Lampard. I think we're still away from that, but more and more Lampard is drifting into the Gerrard territory of, sorry, what are you offering here? Yeah. Um, but on the rest of the Carabao Cup action, I think the reason the big teams are going out is because... They don't want to be having the crazy amount of fixtures come the new year because there won't be any Carabao Cup games now for the rest of this year. Actually, that, that that's wrong. Is it? Yeah, I saw the fourth round is actually the week after the, the World Cup, yeah. Unless that well, has changed, that's... but that's what I saw on the dates when I searched beforehand recording this podcast. Jeez, well then that's... Case in point, you can have too many games because if you look at the top six, right? So, Man United, Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, they've all got European fixtures to compete with as well. And no matter how far, and also, if there's a likeliness of them having players involved in the final itself, potentially, Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's just drained players, yeah, if they're not already drained as it is with the way the World Cup is, yeah, so you're going to have. What the World Cup ends on the 21st of December, is it? 17th. Or 18th. 17th, 18th. The week before Christmas, yeah. Yeah, so 
a week before Christmas, the World Cup ends. Then they're coming back pretty much straight away to some Premier League games. The, the Boxing uh, Day games are still happening. Yeah. So the 26th is the first set of fixtures after that. Then, don't forget in the new year, there's also going to be the third round of the FA Cup where team, the Premier League teams are entering. Then yes, February I could have a complaint about that, though. Yeah, as again, Villa standpoint, you're not playing as many fixtures as these big six That's teams are. That's more just a football standpoint. I love the FA Cup third round. Yeah, that's you. Um, <laughs> then you, you look, uh, the Champions League's back in February. So player fatigue is, gonna, is a real thing. And I think that's why these bigger teams are happy to go out of the tournament so early this year, the Carabao Cup. And I even think the FA Cup as well, we'll see some of them go out early because of uh, fatigue being an issue and wanting to give players a rest. So when it comes to the latter parts of the season, if it is close in terms of race for the title, race for the top four or whatever... They're going to have players that are fresher rather than having absolutely tired players and you've got nothing to rest on. Yeah, and if we were to start on a debate of player fatigue, we all know what the answer is. You just go to the World Cup. That that doesn't have to be in November. Yep, shouldn't ever have been in November. Should never have been in Qatar. We can talk about that for eons to come. everything that FIFA did with that is just completely wrong and let's hope this is the last time a World Cup's ever held this late in the year yeah weirdly yeah in a way because you were speaking about it we'll keep on with as you said nice chance for a different team to have a good run ignoring Man City are through and probably still going to walk it Uh, yeah there's a chance the reward that comes of it is still something that's pretty important to a team that are in the bottom half of the Premier League it's the place in Europe even if it is the Conference League yeah and I think that is why I think the bottom half so 10 down I know 10th is still technically at the top of the table but I think teams from 10th down will be looking and going if we can make a good uh, Carabao Cup we can potentially get European football and like you said I do think that is a benefit in fact for these smaller teams like let's actually do that and go for a European place uh, because it is something we can uh, dream of and achieve, hopefully. Yeah, we had said that we were recording this on the Thursday. <laughs> did we just forget that bit? Or did we just leave the listeners to assume that we we're recording this on the Thursday to release the Friday after? Well, yeah, sorry. Um, we are recording but- this in advance. Yeah, so, hey, I can't wait to talk about Aston Villa facing Manchester City on December the 19th. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't get jealous of it. If we do win, like, if this, when this podcast comes out, we've won, we've beat Manchester United, we're in the next round. Mm-hmm. I can't wait, because I really do believe the main strength of Unai Emery is how he is in knockout competitions. I mean, we can talk about it on Monday when we look back in the Premier League games well, as well. No, because if Manchester United have won, I couldn't give a fuck shit. <laughs> <laughs> so only if Villa win, we'll talk about it then. Villa have won? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, may have won. We we are crossing the... We're breaking the 4-4 here. Yeah, we're breaking time and space. Villa, Villa may have or have already won. In, in that sense, congratulations, Aston Villa. Uh, commiserations from Man United. Well, if Man United have won, congratulations, Man United, and commiserations to Aston Villa. 
Kabizarash is also to Gareth Southgate when Harry Maguire picks up an injury. <laughs> Ugh, please don't start mentioning that name. Well, I, well, yeah, I've heard the last 20 minutes are going to be all around that name. Yeah, true. Uh, let's have a look at the fixtures then for this weekend in the Premier League. Uh, it's the final set of fixtures before the World Cup. Um, interestingly enough, not too many stand-up fixtures in the Premier League. Uh, I feel like there's only one place really to start, isn't there? Where are we starting? Uh, could I, talk, I want us to start on Southampton because they yes. have appointed Nathan Jones as manager. And if only there was someone on this podcast that could tell us what Nathan Jones is like as a football manager to help ease the nerves of Southampton fans who are almost certainly not listening to this podcast. He's a terrible manager and he will never bring you success. You'll go down relegated and he'll be sacked. And I don't tell them what they want to hear. No, I'm just telling them what I want to hear and Luton fans want to hear so that he gets back into Luton. It's so weird. Like, Can I talk about the timeline this last week? We've had... You had Luton fans begging for him not to leave because he's done so well with them. And everything he's done with them, he's a legend to them. Is that strong? Mm -hmm. Is he a legend? Or is he just no, a cult, think, cult era? I'd say he could go down as a club legend because of what he's led us through the divisions. So he adored by Luton fans. And then you look at the Southampton timeline, they couldn't be any more upset that this is the standard they've gone to. Mm. It was just hilarious. Yeah, it, it still seems a strange appointment from a Southampton point of view. Because like we said on Monday... Why not go after someone like Sean Dodge? Someone that's got that Premier League experience and can get them out of the relegation fight that they're in. I'm not saying Nathan Jones can't do that with them, but it just it doesn't seem like the right appointment. For it absolutely doesn't. No, this is an appointment where they're trying to be a bit ambitious, but they're not mm -hmm. in a position to be ambitious. They're in a position. They're in a position. Sorry, where they just need to survive. Mm. He's got no proven track record of that whatsoever. No. At not least in not at a Premier League, League level. Yeah, I mean, in his time at Luton, 303 games managed, 141 of them, drew 83 and lost only 79, led them from 18th in League Two, and he leads them 9th in the Championship, a manager that's gone through the ranks. So he's gone about it and done it the right way in terms of going for a Premier League job and I think all Luton fans, it's one of them they wish him the best of luck but at the same time it's a sad situation to see him leave because it would have been nice to see him potentially lead Luton into the Premier League Yeah so with that what should Southampton fans expect in terms of play style then? Uh, I think you get for, for me from the outside. What I saw of Luton, they seem defensive. Am I wrong? They're not yeah. this all-out attacking side that you would probably think, because that's what most young managers are. Although I was like, "Say he's young." I didn't know he was forty-nine years old. Yeah, that's, in... not, that's not a young manager. Always <laughs> everyone called him a young manager. In football terms, it's a young manager. No, it isn't. <laughs> Some of the managers have managed into their 70s. So if he's below 50, it's still younger. Not as young as like the Gerrards and Lampards and Rooney's because they're, they're still in their... I'm pretty sure the role is anyone 40s. younger than Sir Alex Ferguson is considered a young manager. 
Uh, I always say if you're below 50, you're still a younger manager. Yes, he's just below 50, but it's still below 50. Uh, but in a sense of like what to expect from him, he'll have the team set up very solidly. Uh, he'll look to utilise the wing player. So for me, I'd expect to see the likes of uh, Ainsley, Maitland, Niles uh, utilised a lot. I'd say Joe Aribo as well will be someone who I think Saints fans will be looking forward to see how he works under uh, Nathan Jones. And yeah, it will, they should look to be more of a solid team uh, and look to concede a lot less than what they have done, which is obviously every team's goal is to concede less than they put through. And uh, they'll put in good chances in the box and set pieces they'll be quite dangerous from, especially corners. And you look for like no nonsense gritty defenders and I think that's definitely going to be something uh, that could be a bit of a concern for Southampton if you look at their current squad I can't see too many players that I'm trying to earmark similar to uh, where you look at Luton's squad but uh, obviously he's got the January window to come up and try and make it his own. I don't expect him to go when January comes around into the market and look at Luton players specifically uh, but I think it'll be very interesting to see what business the Saints do in terms of making it more of a Nathan Jones team. Yeah, like I looked at that Luton team and I thought, there's no one there that improves Southampton. Not drastically. Like, no, I don't, I don't even think like normally. Like, that, that's a championship team. Like, can mm. be honest with you, Luton over, did Luton just overachieve massively? Are they even a championship team, really, when you look at them? No. I think every Luton fan will say, being in this championship the last three years now, if not four years now, I'm losing a bit of track of time, but it, it, it's been a massive overachievement because you look at the budget they're on, the size of the club, they don't go out of their way and spend crazy money on players. Um, I still believe our most expensive signing is less than £10 million and it's just it Luton don't go out of their way to go out and spend crazy money now credit to Gary Sweet and the rest of the board at Luton for how they've done it and they've built this club up correctly and got on playing good and looking like a consistent championship team now but it's then about when the funds potentially come in to make the team more rounded and a more competitive potential championship team and then maybe one day in the future a Premier League team but I think for now they're just looking at the stability of becoming a championship team. Yeah. And for what I've also seen of Nathan Jones, the man's a bit of a character as well. So yeah. we'll, we'll definitely get some good content out of him. But I feel like if it all goes wrong, the the guy will snap a little bit. He just seems yeah. like one of those people. Oh, yeah. He's definitely one that won't shy away from uh, the fact that he's now a Premier League manager. And you, uh, his characteristics won't change. He will still be that fiery, animated man on the sideline. Uh, as much we got Welsh people, uh, but it's going to be that, very. See, did that need to be a dig at the Welsh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was there, so I took it. Um, but yeah, it, you stopped it's... short of calling him a sheep shagger. Then that—that is how far you. <laughs> uh, I'm nice to Welsh people. I don't ever go that far. That's just mean. It is. That's why I was that. hoping you had standards. I do. I don't go that far. Um, but yeah, it's a very interesting appointment. Obviously, his first game in charge is against Liverpool, uh, three o'clock on Saturday. <sighs> Not the first game you want to be coming into charge as a Premier League manager. 
or is it? Well, realistically, no, it isn't. But who knows which Liverpool turn up and Southampton, you would think, will be motivated for this. Nathan Jones, if he gets the time to be with the team, which I'm guessing he is, he's in the, yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine he'd be there today and uh, tomorrow ahead of Saturday's game. I was going to say, it's not like the last two Premier League appointments, is it, where they've they've come from overseas and they have to get work permits before they can even start. Like, Nathan Jones works here (laughs) normally, so it's completely fine. Um, Yeah, can he install anything into the team straight away? Who knows? We'll we'll find out. Mm. It's going to be very, very interesting to see. Um, Again, let's have a look at the rest of the Premier League feature and then we'll jump over to uh, the England squad announcement as it's now uh, just happening. So the rest of the games, uh, Saturday kicks off with Manchester City versus Brentford uh, at the Etihad Stadium. Um, I would say City win that one quite comfortably. If you look at Danny the Wilbeck's in the England squad, <laughs> how old your horse is? Stop. That's a joke. Although I haven't seen it, so who knows? <laughs> yes, we won't be having any spoilers from anyone. Um, last games to uh, last two games last season between City and Brentford were a lot closer than I would say many people expected, considering it's the first time they met. Uh, but I'd still expect Man City to win this one. Yeah, you would hope so, and they can't really afford a, a slip-up unless it's a little bit like the Fulham game, where it's just difficult to break a team down, and they're still playing sideways football, which we know mm. they're very prone to. And even with Erling Haaland in the team, I think that sometimes happens. Like the, yeah. old, the old ways creep back in. But if Haaland yeah. starts, which you would gather, he would now. He looks fit again, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And Brentford are a bit prone to a, a thrashing at the moment. Yes. Um, right, other games we have, we have Bournemouth versus Everton. I think, I know it seems crazy, but it's a relegation six-pointer already. I mean, one point separating the two teams, uh, Everton in 16th, Bournemouth in 17th. It's one of them games, especially with it just being uh, before this World Cup break, you don't want it happening to you losing it because you're going to have the fan pressure behind you. And especially if one of the teams below um, Bournemouth pick up a victory and Bournemouth were to lose, then obviously the, the Cherries would slip into the bottom uh, three. And then if Southampton and Bournemouth were to win, Everton would slip into the bottom three. Uh, so it's something that uh, both teams will be desperately avoid- hoping for. Uh, defeat doesn't come their way this weekend. Was that, was that horn in the background then, the taxi for Frank Lampard? Uh, hopefully it was. Yeah, because <laughs> if this is anything like it was in the League Cup, then yeah, the, those calls maybe will start creeping in a little mm. bit. I mean, just also, like back. It, neither one of them can lose, really, because Bournemouth's nice period has ended pretty much. They've lost yeah. quite a few now, other than that mm. game recently. And Everton haven't been doing too well either. And because other teams below them have been changing managers and going through the bounce and change of fortunes as well, those two are now mm. slipping in slightly. Yeah. I mean, the three games, so the one on Tuesday and then the two games last season between these two sides, Bournemouth have scored 10 and conceded just the three. Like, I do about that. Bournemouth have always had Everton's number. It's weird. Yeah. 
Like it's really strange that Bournemouth over the last couple of fixtures have been the favoured side. Uh, quick roundup of the rest of Saturday's three o'clock games. We have Nottingham Forest versus Crystal Palace, Tottenham Hotspur versus Leeds, and West Ham United versus Leicester City. Uh, then a look at the 5.30 game, it's Newcastle versus Chelsea, which I'm very excited to watch that one on Saturday afternoon between those two sides. I think it's going to be a really close foot battle. Newcastle looking like a really good side at the minute in the Premier League up to third under Eddie Howe. And then Chelsea on a bit of a downward spiral, losing their last two games and haven't won since beating Aston Villa in the league on the 16th of October. So question marks are getting raised early at Graham Potter. This, I think, a defeat here, and maybe some more question marks. But again, he hasn't had a transfer window, so I'm giving him a bit of leeway. Oh, Brian Potter gets the season for me with yeah. Chelsea, unless it does start getting a bit awful. That mm, maybe you do start having that debate, but they're facing a team who are, dare we say, top four rivals. It seems crazy to be saying that at such an early stage, considering like we said this is three years. years way too early before we'd planned <laughs> i don't like mm-hmm. it yeah but hey they're getting not ready so new, newcastle, newcastle fans won't be newcastle. complaining at all <laughs> well can we talk about the uh finishing game on saturday we have julian lopetegi heading to uh Molineux for the first time as wolves take on arsenal yes what i've said he's not in charge though he's just watching uh, yeah, but I don't know what, like, say you'll have over, like, team talk and tactics and the starting 11, so it's going to be interesting I to see. I thought it was his, his work permit couldn't go in and then it's the 14th that he starts, but, again, it's one of them, isn't it? Yeah, We've, it might be rushed through because of that game on Saturday, you never know. Unlikely, but, um, yeah, obviously Arsenal, the informed team in the Premier League at the minute, still sitting top of the tree after 13 games. Wolves being down there in the relegation zone, they'll be hoping that their change of fortune happens uh, quickly and that they can get out of the relegation zone. And then on to Sunday's two fixtures, Brighton play uh, Aston Villa and then Fulham-Manchester United round up this period of Premier League fixtures before the World Cup break. Yeah, I've just seen Sunday as well as a very nice fixture in the Championship there. I say Burnley versus Blackburn, it's a, it's a nice one for the neutral. Derby, two teams that are both up there amongst the top as well. They're the top two at the minute. That's perfect. Perfectly placed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be a really cracking game. Burnley looking really good under Vincent Company, which still seems mad to say. Vincent it was Company's weird. Like, I think the words, the odd section is, I don't want to dig on Southampton fans because they're suffering enough as it is. Nathan Jones is their manager now. <laughs> but like, there was a load of them saying... Vincent Company wouldn't have been the worst option to look at, but I also then go, he's less experienced than Nathan Jones. Yeah, that makes. But I don't care that he's sense. top of the. I don't care that he's top of the championship right now, but mm. it make that would make less sense. Yeah, it would be very very baffling to see mm. uh, if he were to go there. Uh, it's one of them where I want him to do well in uh, the championship and then slowly make his way up the Premier League if he was to do it another job. Like, let's face right. it, he's already, he's already performing miracles. He's getting Burnley playing amazing attacking football. Yeah, which is not what we've been used to over after, the past After so long with dodgeball, 
this is dare I say miracles being worked. Yeah, it's it's like a whole new team has just been revolutionised there. Yeah, a little bit. I'm very intrigued to see them as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a final bit of word on Luton, because obviously we've been speaking about Nathan Jones leaving there. Uh, they have announced that Mick Harford, club legend, absolute legend of the club, loved by everyone at Luton. Uh, he will take charge temporarily for this uh, upcoming weekend's game against uh, Ross. He, he um, was the one who took charge last time. Yeah, before it is they, uh, yeah. yeah, like no one in Luton says a bad word about that man. That fair Ever. is. Like he will get a good result there this weekend. But what if he loses ten in a row? Doesn't matter. <laughs> he's he's literally he's still a legend. That man will go down as a Luton legend. He'll go down definitely. <laughs> well, if he was to lose ten in a row, yes, he would do. <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh. Shall we talk about the cat and the pigeon? Cat the what? The pigeon? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> the cat and the pigeon sounds like a new child's book that's just been invented. You, the cat you've done the, the, the Paul Merson and throw the cat amongst the pigeons. <laughs> yes. Let's get the vacant. Elephant in the room. Let's talk about the let's England put, squad. Let's it? put the, that room amongst all the elephants. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's talk about the England squad then, as it oh, has just okay. been announced within yep. the last 10 minutes. And I've just said, um, yeah. yeah, I don't like it at all. So I'll run through the squad and then we can uh, talk about it afterwards. So the goalkeepers are Jordan Pickford, Nick Pope and Aaron Ramsdale. Defenders of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Connor Cody, Eric Dyer, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Kieran Trippier, Kyle Walker and Ben White. Midfielders of Jude Bellingham, Connor Gallagher, Jordan Henderson, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice. And forwards are Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, James Madison, Marcus Rashford, Bukayo Saka, Raheem Sterling and Callum Wilson. On paper, it's not massively awful. It just feels bang average though. Yeah. It, 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 that... If there is a Gareth Southgate World Cup squad, it is what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. That doesn't scream to me that this team has the potential to win the World Cup. If this, you mean, this if is you're... a team going out in the quarterfinals, minimum, maximum. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say not minimum, absolute maximum quarterfinals. I mean, it just. Ugh. I mean, the goalkeepers I've got no problem with. We yeah, all knew they were going to be the three yeah. goalkeepers unless injury hit one of them. You then look at the defence. Trent Alexander Arnold, I know he's probably starting right back, but. He's, def- he's got too many defensive problems. See, I don't think he defend. is. You don't think he's, he's starting right back? I absolutely don't believe he will be. Do you think it'll be Kyle Walker then? You're looking at either the choice of Kyle Walker or mm. Kieran Trippier, unless Trippier is playing left back. I was thinking Trippier is going to be left back in that team, personally. Mm. But that does depend on whether he does like Luke Shaw. Because Luke Shaw, competent. At least. Yeah. Luke Shaw only ever looks terrible when he's playing next to Harry Maguire. Which he will be at this World Cup. That is very true. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd, I'd just, I'm just trying to put my Southgate brain on. I should have brought, put the waistcoat on, really, shouldn't I? When I <laughs> what I do is that helps me think like Gareth. But, yeah, like I'm not inspired by that whole defence. Did it need a no. Tyron Mings? Not really. It wouldn't have changed much, even though I, I rate Mings, of course, because I'm biased. And while he can mm. drop a ricket, he's still competent when he's actually on it. If he's yeah. focused, he is one of the best defenders we have. Yeah. 
I think for me, he was screaming out for Fakayo Tamori. I think Tamori adds that bit of defensive stability that this team needed. And I just yeah. don't see, like, you may, it, it seems like you've got a bunch of good players, but I don't think there's a standout leader in that defence. Like, who's well, going to be the vocal one amongst the back line? I feel like Connor Cody can be that. He's, he's a good captain for a club. I think he did great with Wolves, if I'm honest. If, if the plan for England is to be this three-man defence, which it could be, that's probably where Conor Cody's main strength is. Yeah. So I think there is a chance for him to be vocal. Whether he starts or not is debatable. Exactly. Like if we were to do a three-man defence, that screams Walker, Stones, Maguire. Yeah, 100%. And you know, seeing Ben White well, in there as well actually is quite nice when I look at it. Because he should yeah. be in there. He's really good. And he can play yeah. right back as well. Definitely. Um, yeah. It, that defence just doesn't fill me with confidence. When it's I very hard of, to, yeah. Like, if you think of the latter stages, I don't know how England potentially could go up against these nations, but you look at the Germany attack, you look at the French attack, and... We can actually say we know they they are against the Germany attack. Yeah, it's just it doesn't fill me with confidence at all. No, this team gets beaten by higher class opposition. If we had a better manager, I'd be at least giving us a chance. Mm. Maybe even say we actually yeah we can do this, but right yeah. now whole setup where the whole nation is playing football, I don't see it. No. Uh, you're looking to the midfield then, Bellingham, Gallagher, Henderson, Rice, Phillips and Mount. I mean, I don't think that's a midfielder, that's central midfielders. He hasn't looked at wingers because well, they're all playing as forwards. That, but, um, that midfield tells me we are playing like 3-4-3 three, three, with just two centimetres. Like, and probably you could tell the Henderson board and, and Bellingham. The way I speak. Do you reckon it's Henderson and Bellingham or you're, Rice and Bellingham? You're fucking joking, aren't you? It's going to be Rice and Phillips. Oh, God. Do you really think it was going to be Henderson and Bellingham? Are you, are you mental? Yeah, true. This is Gareth Southgate we're talking about. So let's talk about it. You did a football manager say yesterday, you were messaging me about this, and it came up with this 7-2-1 formation like team. Looking at this mm-hmm. squad, that's exactly what we're going to get. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously a few changes from that football manager. Henderson state, and so. Bellingham, like, you're getting shamed for that. <laughs> you, everything we know about Gareth Southgate, and you thought that was going to be his centre midfield pairing. It was more hope than realism. Yeah, I preferred you when you had no realism. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then forward line because I can't even be asked to talk about that midfield anymore. It's just depressing <laughs> to look at. Foden, Grealish, Kane, Madison, Rashford, Saka, Wilson, and Sterling. For me, Raheem Sterling hasn't done enough this season to get into the team. No, but in part, I can say that's because he's been playing wing-back for a lot of that as well. Yeah. Same goes for Jack Grealish. Yeah. I don't know how he's in that squad over... Oh, no, 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 no. I know how he's in the squad. Sorry, I know how he's in the squad. He has to be in the squad. He offers some... If you let him do what we know he can do, he is the biggest factor in this team. Yes. 
But of course, um, that's not going to happen. No, God, no. Um, and, and I'm going to say this now. All these talks with James Madison, it's nice that he's in. Okay, that's, yes, he's in. Thank God he's in. Is he going to play a single minute? No. Exactly. What, why is everyone like, with a realistic brain, let's think about this. Was he going to play? Or is he going to play? No, he isn't. Hmm. Ugh. Oh, God, look who's behind you on the TV now. Happy oh. go, Larry. Oh, my screen is just broken. <laughs> Uh, I've just yeah, fallen that's... asleep, turning my head around, looking at him. Mm. Yeah, right. we know who this forward line's going to be. It's going to be Saka, Kane, Sterling. I don't think that does enough to win games. No, it doesn't. We know that forward line should be Saka, Kane, Foden. Mm. And what irks me as well, although you could arguably say Rashford can play out wide and as the striker only the two recognised strikers technically yeah that's the talk about Callum Wilson has gone in no Tony no Abraham it's I mean he's picked a player on, he's picked a player on form for a change in the Premier League let's talk about Premier League because yeah, over than Bellingham yes, he hasn't looked because, at because of the course, Premier League what's the point of looking in Italy well yeah I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous from him. Like, for Kyle Tomori, one of AC Milan's best defenders, and he's not getting a look in. Tammy Abraham, although he hasn't been having a, a phenomenal season, I, I think I would still put him in. Like, he offers that something a bit yeah. different to me. I feel like if Rashford doesn't come back to a little bit of the form that he's on, then Abraham's probably on the plane. Yeah. I think I'd agree with that if because Rashford's had a really good uh, turn of fortunes recently. But, but of course, the thing with Rashford is you've got to play him in the middle, and that's never going to happen. No, because that's Harry Kane's position. Yeah. But yeah, looking at that squad, I I, don't, I I think quarterfinals is being really really nice to them. I think what I'd seen you looking at either Argentina or France in the quarterfinals, depending on how we get. Out of the group, um, they'd get battered by both. Yeah, but from what I've seen, but France definitely beats and Argentina. Mm-hmm. From what I've seen, M- Messi Messi rips this lots apart. Messi scores about four or five goals no, against his England team. <laughs> I'm being serious. Messi absolutely destroys his England team if he comes up against that back line. Jesus, watching what? Harry Maguire try and defend against him is actually going to be quite comically funny. But also depressing at the same time from an England fan <laughs> you point forget, of view. You forget which shirt you're wearing. Oh, hang on, he's my defender. Oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then again, I'm, I'm almost glad it's not Tyron Mings now. Yeah, you are. Well, I mean, I'm also <laughs> glad it's not Harry Maguire. It's Harry Maguire because he doesn't get looking at Man United anymore. Because which is why it's more damning by... that he gets picked. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been replaced by Lisandro Martinez, who everyone at the start of the season was criticising because of his size and everything. Two months down the line. Still are. <laughs> Bullied by only one. Not as much that. Again. Come on. Yeah, but not as much as they, that has been. He's turned out to be I'm one just, of the... I'm just pulling the needle. <laughs> he's been absolutely phenomenal. And he's uprooted an 80 million man out of the fucking start in 11. Which is about downtime. Yes. So, 
that just speaks to the levels of incompetence that fucking big nosed twatted Gareth Southgate is. Sorry, I had to get my anger out there. That's, <laughs> that's the last of my Gareth Southgate rant until the World Cup starts. So next week then. <laughs> yes. Uh, right, let's have a look at the European games before we uh, finish, as we do have some European action also to look forward to this week. No, we don't, actually, not in uh, La Liga, because La Liga has finished, hasn't it? I know, lucky. How lucky. Although, I, yeah. like, there is one thing to talk about, because there was football midweek. Gerard Baker. Oh, absolutely brilliant. Getting sent off from the bench. Just perfect. He can't even play in his last ever game. <laughs> I think he's planned. He definitely thought, you know what? I can't be asked. Fuck it. Ref, oh, come yeah. in. <laughs> Fuck off, you wanker. Right, Gerard, you sent off. What was it? I think it came out what he supposedly said. I can't, I can't remember. remember it. No, I, I think, it was. It, I think, no, I've just remembered how it ended. I believe it ended by ended something about your pissing mother. Yeah, <laughs> That's how it ended. Something. Yeah, oh. crazy. Uh, and Real Madrid lost on Monday as well. Yeah, the, like the title race. Forget is, about that. The title race is is open. Yeah, exciting times to be watching Spanish football this season. Uh, we do actually have football this weekend though in Italy. Uh, some good games. We've got Atalanta versus Inter Milan on uh, Sunday morning. Uh, a win for Atalanta would see them leapfrog Inter and heading to the Champions League places. Uh, so that's definitely one to watch. And uh, to finish off in uh, Syria this weekend, Juventus versus Lazio. Very tasty. Yes. Uh, Sarri's return as well. Yes. Juventus desperately need some sort of fortune to go their way under Max Allegri because not a lot is happening for them. Yeah. Over in France, we've got Leon versus Nice tonight, meaning Friday night as this goes out, not tonight for us. Uh, and then PSG play at home to Auxerre on Sunday afternoon. And then it's Monaco versus Marseille, fourth versus fifth uh, to round off the weekend there in France. And in the Bundesliga, again, we have the final set of games uh, this week. Mönchengladbach take on Dortmund, uh, Friday evening game at half past seven. Werder Bremen versus uh, RB Leipzig, Hoffenheim versus Wolfsburg, and then the great game uh, in history, years gone by, not as such good in recent years. Schalke Nilfia versus FC Bayern München. Although there's a major difference, like that's second versus the bottom. Yeah, top versus bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah, the top now. Yeah. Yes. Order restored. Back. <laughs> yes. Back in the day, that used to be an absolute cracker of a game to watch, but now not so much. We could stick with Bundesliga as well as the talking point. I think we have to start. Sadio Mane. Is he out? Was it confirmed in the end? Because I said it said, but it no. wasn't from like official stuff. Until we see the confirmed squad, then we can cry. I think it's injury precaution, but not fully out as far as I've seen. If I'm saying a goal, you take you if he's even like eighty percent fit, <laughs> mm. because Group A needs all of the quality that it can get. Yes, and him not being there for Senegal will be very disappointing. I think. Mm. 
I say you're reading this out, you're trying to find out. <laughs> no, no, sorry, I was just reading some quotes from what uh, Southgate was saying, and yeah, doesn't feel like you don't bore don't bore yourself with it. No, as an England fan, uh, well, I'm not going into this tournament as an England fan. I go into it as a neutral. But uh, if you're an England fan, cough, cough, never and, fan. Uh, if you're watching this, uh, I support England any team that has an Aston Villa player in it. <laughs> Which, if as of right watching... now, is Poland and Ar- Argentina and Belgium. <laughs> uh, was Matty Cash called up? Because they... yes, it's been Cavani, which is called up, yeah. Yes, and Jan Bednarek, technically our player. Yes, just about. Yeah. Don't do us the ways of Brazil, though. I'm not too happy about that one. Yeah, big few emissions from that team. Fred uh, gets Roberto to go, but Douglas Louise doesn't. I uh, rate Fred over Douglas Louise. I'd Douglas. also rate Fred, but you can send both. Yeah. Also, no uh, Roberto Firmino in that team. Yeah, I feel like they phased him out a while back there. Yeah. Um, yeah, some interesting World Cup squads have been announced. Obviously, not all of them have been announced. There's still... Ten days to go until the start of the first yes. game. Y- yeah, I want to say yes, but just a thought as well. It's gone to be a France's squad. The thing that wasn't impressing me wasn't even the squad. It was the list of players that aren't going. Yeah, the fact that, that every that's time a, that's another team in itself. That's disgraceful. Yeah, the fact that these last two or three tournaments, definitely as far back as 2016, you look at players that France have left out of their squads for each major tournament, and you're like. Damn, that's an eleven that could win the tournament by itself. Yeah, I, I look at their current squad and I go, and well, the midfield isn't as experienced, maybe. No, but it's still it's, decent. Yeah, uh, and obviously uh, from next Thursday we'll have plenty of World Cup coverage as the World Cup gears up to take off. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to round up the final set of Premier League fixtures from this period of the season before the World Cup starts and any of the talking points from the weekend that may occur. Uh, Until next time, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and that you are following us on Twitter at OffTCPod for all the latest news and stories as and when it happens. And until next time, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Brad. Oops, yeah. We'll see you soon.